Think you hate marketing? Think again. Here on the Marketing Chat Podcast, I share practical, relatable tips to make marketing easy and fun. I'm Kelly, a marketing strategist, Squarespace website designer, and founder of the Women Podcasters Academy. I'll be breaking down big ideas into actionable steps so you can get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Today's episode is brought to you by the Women Podcasters Academy. The Academy features a full course and supportive community to help you start and grow your own podcast. You can find more information at womenpodcastersacademy.com. Today, I'm going to discuss how to create a brand identity. Too often, we think of a brand identity as our colors and our logo, but that's like saying you are simply how you look. Your face, your body, what you wear, how you style your hair. You're so much more than that, right? If you were asked to describe yourself, who you really are, you'd probably include how you look. Of course, our appearance is part of our identity. It's like I discuss in my episode called The Matrix and Your Brand Avatar, link in the show notes. Our exterior is a key way we show the world who we really are. In fact, it's the first way we make an impression on people that gives a hint of who we really are. But who are we really? We're not our face, our body, what we wear, or how we style our hair. What we do to our exterior is a way of displaying what's on the inside, what we think, what we value, and what we feel. It's the same with the brand identity. If you pick a logo and colors without first knowing who the brand really is, you may end up with a mismatch between the interior and the exterior. It's as if the brand were wearing a costume. It won't feel right. Potential clients will sense it and they'll be turned off by it. Let's look at an example real quick of good logo alignment. Coca-Cola's logo with its red and white colors and its white wavy line exudes appetite and excitement. It speaks to thirst quenching and crispness. How does the Coke logo reflect the company's identity? Coca-Cola's purpose, as found on its website, is refresh the world, make a difference. And its vision reads, our vision is to craft the brands and choice of drinks that people love to refresh them in body and spirit and done in ways that create a more sustainable business and better shared future that makes a difference in people's lives, communities, and our planet. So Coke's identity is about refreshing, love, body, spirit, and making a difference. Purpose and vision are key parts of a brand's identity. They're part of your identity too, aren't they? Same with vision. At an individual level, your vision is how you see the world and what you see for your future. For brand, it's how you see your brand fitting into the world, how you want your brand to contribute to the world. Consider your purpose and your vision in terms of how you dress. Maybe you're like me and you wear all black because you view the world as a canvas on which to create. My purpose is to support other people in blazing their own trails. As an artist, I use color on literal canvas and in film. As a website designer, I bring color to my clients' websites. My view of the world is that there's the potential to create and to change. For me, black is a color of infinite possibilities, a space to be filled. Now, there's more to your identity 
and that of your brand than just your purpose and your vision. There are your values and goals. There are your voice and personality. For your brand, there are your tagline, value proposition, and messaging pillars. And of course, there's your brand's name. So let's get into the steps to creating a brand identity. I'll tell you what they are, then I'll go into them in more detail. You may want to download the transcript from this episode on my website since I lay out everything with lists and bullet points. Link in the show notes. One, uncover your brand heart. These are your values, vision, mission, and goals. Two, pick a brand name. Three, identify your brand essence. These are your brand personality and brand voice. Four, define your brand messaging. These are your tagline, value proposition, and messaging pillars. Five, research your target audience. Six, research your competition. Seven, choose your color palette. Eight, choose your typography. Nine, design your logo. 10, design additional elements. And 11, finally, create a brand style book. So number one, uncover your brand heart. Your brand heart consists of four components, your values, your vision, your mission, and your goals. Let's start with your values. Your brand will have lots of values, of course, just like you do, but you'll want to narrow it down to three to five top values. Your values will be part of your vision statement. Can you tell what Coca-Cola's values are from hearing their vision statement? They are in part making a difference, sustainability, and refreshment. If you are the face of your brand, that is, if you're a service provider, then your personal values will likely translate into your brand's values. Mine certainly do. My top values and those of my brand are authenticity, curiosity, and creativity. These come across not only in my brand vision, but also in my vision of the world, how I interact with people, and in the work I do. To come up with your brand's top values, start brainstorming. Make a list of whatever values come to mind. Don't hold back. Make the list as long as you want. Don't censor yourself. Now you need to chop those down to three to five. So think about what values your brand really stands for. What values does your brand want to represent? What values would your brand fight for? Those are the ones you want to go with. Next comes your vision. Your vision is focused on the future. Your vision statement describes where you want your business to be in the future. It includes your purpose and your values. Let's look at Apple's values. They list them in the footer of their website. Accessibility, education, environment, inclusion and diversity, privacy and supplier responsibility. Apple doesn't have a link on their website to their vision and mission statements, but they list the following on their product feedback page. Apple strives to bring the best personal computing experience to students, educators, creative professionals, and consumers around the world through its innovative hardware, software, and internet offerings. In this quasi-vision statement, you get some of their values as well as an idea of where they see themselves as being the best in personal computing. Now let's look at Adobe. The first thing you see on Adobe's About page is the following changing the world through digital experiences. This is essentially their vision. Now, they don't mention creativity in this statement, even though creativity is clearly a top value. But in this case, that's okay because creativity just oozes out of Adobe and everything else. 
Finally, here's Hulu's vision statement. Lead the future of streaming TV by creating new and familiar experiences for our viewers, amplifying bold voices, and challenging our diverse builders and creators to push the boundaries of storytelling and technology. You really see their values and purpose here. Boldness, diversity, creativity, pushing boundaries, storytelling, and technology. And they want to be the leader in streaming television. What do you notice about these three examples of vision statements? They are all short. In fact, each one is only one sentence long. So for your purpose, of course, it's partially to make money. But what purpose is your business serving? That's what's going into the vision statement. Then sprinkle in your values, keep it to one or two sentences, and make it inspiring. This is the future of your brand. The next part of the heart of your brand is your mission statement. The difference between a vision statement and a mission statement is that a vision statement is oriented toward the future, while a mission statement is oriented toward the present. The mission statement discusses what your brand does and how it plans on getting to its vision of the future. The mission statement, too, will be short, just one or two sentences. Here's Hulu's mission statement. To help people find and enjoy the world's premium video content when, where, and how they want it. Remember Hulu's vision statement? Their mission statement directly ties into how they will lead the future of streaming TV by helping, quote, people find and enjoy the world's premium video content when, where, and how they want it, end quote. This makes perfect sense as you can't be a leader unless you have followers. Your followers can't follow you unless you show them the way. Hulu articulates this perfectly. Here's Nike's mission statement. Bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. There's an asterisk by the word athlete. Underneath this sentence is the following line preceded by an asterisk. If you have a body, you are an athlete. This is just excellent. I love this so much. You really see Nike living up to their mission statement on their website and in their ads. So to create your mission statement, look at your vision statement and work backward. How will you get to your vision? Refer back to Hulu's vision and mission as examples. Think present tense. Your mission is what you do right now, and it can include how you do it. The last piece of your brand heart is your goals. These are really long-term goals, not monthly, quarterly, or yearly goals that you'll be changing and tracking regularly. One of Bill Gates's early goals for Microsoft was a computer on every desk and in every home. Quite a lofty goal, one that couldn't be measured regularly, maybe one day. Notice that he didn't say a Microsoft computer on every desk. He just said a computer. I find that really interesting and forward-thinking. Realistic, too, knowing that Microsoft wasn't the only hardware company in the industry. Now, your goals don't have to be quite so lofty. They can be more measurable. For example, you could have the goal of being on pages one, two, or three of Google. I'm adding pages two and three since making it to page one is so difficult with all the domain authorities you have to compete against. Your vision statement may have used a word such as leader, go-to, or top. Those words may sound like goals, and they do point in the direction of a goal, but they aren't goals in and of themselves. 
When you think about a computer on every desk and in every home, that one actually is measurable. It's very difficult to measure, but it is possible. Well, in the way that taking a census is possible. In fact, the U.S. Census does ask about home technology, so we have an idea of the number of computers per household in the United States. And I looked it up. As of 2020, U.S. residents had an average of 2.12 computers per household. They also had access to 2.27 mobile phones, linked to source in the show notes. These amazing numbers don't mean that every household has a computer, of course. It means that some households have multiple computers while others have no computers. So you can have some lofty goals like Bill Gates's, where it would be extremely difficult to measure the results. But you should also have some long-term goals that you can measure. What kind of goals could these be? They can be financial goals, number of clients acquired or products sold, Google ranking, or number of appearances on podcasts, TV shows, or radio shows. It could be something like being the most recognized lifestyle brand in the world or whatever industry you're in. How would you measure that? Well, surveys show that Coke's logo is recognized by 94% of the people around the world. You could measure brand awareness by number of social media followers and website hits. How many goals should you have? I like keeping things short and simple and keep it to three to five. Any more than that becomes difficult to follow. Let's move on to the next step in creating your brand identity. Number two, pick a brand name. What's in a name? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. That's Juliet contemplating Romeo's family name and Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, of course. And when it comes to naming your brand, it's all wrong. So what is in a name when it comes to branding? Your name should be meaningful. It should be distinct from other brands. It should be sayable, spellable, and Googleable. You'll want your name to work well into the future, not be something faddish or trendy that you'll need to change in a few years. And you may want to be able to trademark your name or at least the logo design. So how do you start to pick a name for your brand? Steve Jobs picked the name Apple for two main reasons. One, he liked apples. And two, Apple comes before Atari in the phone book back in the days of phone books. In Nike's case, Nike is the Greek goddess of victory, perfect for an athletic company. Hulu got its name from the Mandarin word that means gourd. In a Chinese proverb, a gourd is used to hold precious things. In English, the word Hulu has no meaning, so there would be no preconceived notions in the mind of consumers as to what Hulu meant. It would be a blank slate, really fabulous for a name. Your brand name can be something descriptive, essentially what the brand does, General Motors, Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. You can name your brand after yourself. Think Ben & Jerry's, Louis Vuitton. You can make up a word as your brand name. Think Kleenex, Xerox, and Instagram. Just remember to make sure that the word is sayable, spellable, and Googleable. Also, if you plan on being an international brand, the new word should be pronounceable in other languages. And make sure that your word doesn't mean something questionable in other languages. Actually, this holds true whether you're using real words or made-up words. 
For example, in 2001, Honda introduced the FITA minivan to Nordic countries. They quickly discovered after the fact that FITA in Danish, Norwegian, and Swedish is a vulgar term for women's genitals. Yeah. So they renamed the minivan the Jazz. So please Google the meaning of your name before you go with it. Okay, your name can be an acronym. There's AT&T, KFC, and BMW. Your name can be after a god or goddess, an animal, or a feature of nature. Think Nike and Patagonia. Finally, you can smash two words together or use a real word with different spelling. For example, Squarespace, LinkedIn, and Hootsuite. For wrong spelling, there's Publix, Fruit Loops, and Cheese Whiz. All of these words are able to be trademarked and the URLs are most likely available. Speaking of URLs, when you've narrowed down your name, see if the URL is available. You really, really want the URL to be the same as the brand name. While you're searching URLs, be sure to Google your potential name to see if anyone else is already using it. If you have the same name as someone else in your industry, that's going to be really tough. All right, moving on. Number three identify your brand essence. Your brand essence is your brand personality and voice. Let's discuss your personality first because your voice will come out of your personality. Your brand personality will reflect your values, vision, mission, and your brand name. If you value imagination and optimism, you wouldn't have a brand personality that's closed off, down, or too conservative. With a name like Twitter, the brand can't have an overly serious personality. With a value of creativity, Adobe can't be too staid or stoic. With a mission to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world, Nike's personality has to be inspiring. To identify your brand personality, start out by reviewing your values, vision, and mission. Pull out keywords that could be personality traits. Write all these down. Next, look at your brand name. Write down personality traits that you think of when you see your brand name. Now think of your ideal client, and I'll get to that topic in just a minute. How do you want them to see you? Now remember, you're creating an authentic brand, so you're not molding your brand to fit what you think your ideal client wants your brand to be, but once you know the heart of your brand, it's okay to take your ideal client into consideration. Finally, look at your competition. What kind of brand personalities do they have? You want yours to be a little bit different. Once you have all of these personality traits written down, go through and pick out three to five. Yes, there's that number again. Three to five that really fit your brand. Now we move on to brand voice. Your brand voice is how your brand communicates its personality. It's how your brand sounds on your website, on social media, in emails, on your blog, in your podcasts, in your logo, wherever and whenever people interact with your brand. When finding your brand voice, a big question you want to answer is how you want your ideal client to feel when they interact with your brand. Your brand voice is responsible for eliciting feelings. If you want them to feel safe and protected, for example, you need a brand voice that's dependable and trustworthy. If you want your ideal client to feel relaxed and grounded, you need a brand voice that's calming and earthy. This is a great instance of when to take your ideal client into consideration. 
It's not that you're molding your brand to fit what they want. It's that you're refining your voice to elicit the feelings you want your ideal client to feel. This is really key to developing trust and engagement from your ideal client. This results in longer visits on your website and more clients. Another thing to do to find your brand voice is to look at the adjectives you're using for your brand personality and even look at the ones you decided not to use. Your brand voice doesn't have to be the exact same words as your brand personality, though they do overlap. For your brand voice, you may end up using some of the words that didn't make it into your top three to five brand personality words, or you may use synonyms for your brand voice, or you may need to translate your brand personality words into words that work better for your brand voice. For example, if your brand personality includes being quirky, can you translate that to your brand voice? Yes, quirky can be part of your brand voice, but you may find a word that's easier to relate to voice-wise, particularly as it pertains to eliciting emotions. How do you want your quirkiness to affect your ideal client? Do you want it to inspire them? Do you want it to make them laugh? Do you want it to encourage them to be more authentic? Your brand voice then could be inspiring, humorous, or no BS. Next up, defining your brand messaging. Your brand messaging consists of your tagline, value proposition, and messaging pillars. Let's start with your tagline. Honestly, most freelancers don't have a tagline. It's not always necessary, but I think it's a helpful exercise to go through for a couple of reasons. First, a tagline puts the essence of your brand into one small soundbite. Once you've gotten through the exercise, you can now say exactly what your brand is about in one short sentence or phrase. Working on a tagline can be really helpful when you're working on answering, so what do you do? Honestly, this can be so difficult for freelancers and service providers to answer in a way that differentiates them from the competition. The other reason to go through the tagline exercise, even if you think you won't end up using it, is that you just may love what you come up with and decide to use it after all. People love a good tagline and people remember a good tagline. You've got Wendy's with Where's the Beef, De Beers with A Diamond is Forever, and Wheaties with The Breakfast of Champions. Don't miss out on your opportunity to make your brand more memorable by skipping this exercise. When you work on your tagline, start out writing a long paragraph that captures the essence of your brand. Put in everything you can think of. It should include pieces of your brand values, vision, and mission. Now rewrite that paragraph to make it more exciting and emotional. Now chop the hell out of the paragraph. I mean, cut everything out of it. See just how short you can make it. Okay, with what you've got left, hopefully no more than one or two super short sentences, really tighten it up to just one phrase or one sentence. Here are three examples to strive for. Just do it. Got milk? Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. I don't even have to name what brands those taglines come from, do I? How's that for brand goal? Next comes your value proposition. Your value proposition is a statement that describes, one, the problem you solve, two, who you solve it for, and three, why you're better at solving it than the competition. 
You can follow the Harvard Business School model of looking at the clients you're going to serve, the needs you're going to meet, and the price you're going to set. Your point of differentiation can come from any of these legs. Maybe you're serving a niche market or meeting a new demand within an existing market, or maybe you're going to price your services differently from how your competition prices themselves. Side note, be careful about discounting yourself. Some brands benefit from being known as discount brands, think Dollar Tree. But in the service industry, you should really consider whether it's appropriate to be known as a discount brand. If price is not going to be part of your value proposition, then make sure something else is. In other words, who you're serving, the specific need you're meeting, or how you meet that need. Finally, you could follow Steve Blanks' model of writing your value proposition like this. I help X do Y by doing Z. Notice that this is essentially answering, so what do you do? Your elevator pitch. Isn't that awesome? This means that once you've come up with your value proposition, you can use it to answer that question. I love this model. You can go really deep into developing your value proposition. This barely scratches the surface. If you feel like going deeper, just Google value proposition and you'll probably be overwhelmed with all the awesome results you get. The last part of brand messaging is messaging pillars. Your messaging pillars are three selling points or benefits that make your brand different. These may be aspects of your services. They could be benefits of working with you. They could be the uniqueness of your niche. For more information on picking a niche, check out my blog post called How to Pick a Niche for Your Business, link in the show notes. One of my messaging pillars is freelancers who want to stop doing everything for themselves. Yes, that's a mouthful, but it's very specific. It's a unique niche that I create Squarespace websites, not just any websites for this target audience. On that note, let's move on to the next step. Number five, research your target audience. Why are you researching your target audience? Because you want to make sure that you're giving your target audience what they want and what they need. And you want to make sure that you're honing your brand message for them in a way that they will get it. As I mentioned before, you aren't designing your brand to meet their wants and needs. Your brand has to be authentic. But you absolutely have to take your audience into consideration when you create your brand identity. Otherwise, your audience won't resonate with your brand. So, your target audience is your ideal client. Think of it that way, and it's easier to imagine that one person you're really appealing to. For help with identifying your ideal client, check out my podcast called How to Identify and Attract Your Ideal Client, link in the show notes. Now, you already thought about your ideal client when working on your brand personality, so you've already done some of this work, but now I want you to write it down. Here are some of the things you'll want to know about your ideal client. Their wants and needs, their goals, where they go for information, what they want from you, an age range, an income range, where they live, their marital status, what industry they're in, and their psychographics, that is, their interests, hobbies, beliefs, and attitudes. Your brand doesn't exist in a vacuum. Your ideal client is essential to your brand. Honestly, it's your ideal client who keeps your brand alive. You can do everything in your power to keep your brand going, but if it doesn't resonate with your ideal client, if they don't feel it and love it, then your brand will fade away. Next is number six, research your competition. 
You already started this when you were uncovering your brand heart and your brand essence and looking into brand names. Here's where I want you to write everything down. Why? Because the point of this whole brand identity process is to create a unique brand, one that your ideal client will distinguish from the competition and ultimately choose over the competition. If you don't know who your competition is, you won't know what makes you unique or how to compete. Side note, there are people who don't see this as a competition. I agree with that in the sense that I believe there are enough clients to go around. That's why we pick a niche. If I'm in a unique niche that's big enough, then I'll have enough clients. Same thing for the competition. I don't view this as a competition in the sense of, I can win only if you lose, not at all. I believe that we can all succeed. But these are other brands in your industry who could take clients who might otherwise choose you. So yeah, the competition. Anyway, I want you to Google your keywords, the words and phrases you want people to use to find you online. See who pops up. Now, if you're not on page one, then those brands aren't truly your competition. Not yet, anyway. So you can list them because they're like your reach goals. If you've got local competition, list those. If you've got people in your industry whom you admire, list those. Put their URLs on your list. Write down what you think the essence of their brand is, the brand personality and voice. Make note of their colors. What kind of logo do they have? Do they have a blog or podcast? What kind of services do they offer? What are their prices if they list their prices? Remember, the whole point of this is to find ways to be different. Now let's get into some of those ways, the visual forms of expressing your brand. Number seven, choose your color palette. I have a detailed blog post about this called how to create a color palette for your brand, link in the show notes. So I'm going to give just an overview here. You should read the blog post for lots of details on the nitty gritty of picking specific colors, finding color codes, and using various programs such as Adobe Capture and Adobe Color CC to help the process. It's really so much fun. The three things you're going to do here are research color meanings, search for inspiration, and pick your colors. You already know that different colors carry different meanings, both positive and negative meanings. Red, of course, represents passion, love, energy, desire, and confidence. It also represents danger, anger, and aggression. Purple represents spirituality, royalty, imagination, inspiration, wisdom, and fantasy. It also represents being immature, emotional, or disconnected. You can find more color meanings in my blog post and simply by Googling color meanings. You want to pick brand colors that represent your personality and brand voice. If your brand personality is earthy and grounded, you'll go with greens and browns, not purples and pinks, which are too airy. If your brand voice is quirky, you may want to use orange, bright yellow, or purple. Consider how you want your ideal client to feel when they see your brand colors. Tap into color meanings to elicit the feelings you want your ideal client to feel. Look around online, particularly at your com competition for websites you really like, and also don't like. What colors really appeal to you? What colors repel you? When you found some colors that you love that really reflect your brand personality and voice and will elicit the feelings you want your ideal client to feel, you're ready to narrow them down. 
Adobe Capture and Adobe Color CC are great tools to help you get precise colors. You should pick a base color, an accent color, and a variation of a white and a black. They don't have to be pure white or pure black. You can also pick a neutral that may be a monochromatic version of your base color. Your base color will be your main color. It may be in your logo. It'll be the main color on your website, appearing in your buttons as the background in some sections, maybe as the background color for the main navigation menu, and possibly as the background color for a whole page. If you're working in Squarespace, you can watch my video blog called How to Change the Color Palette in Squarespace 7.1, link in the show notes. That walks you through changing the colors in your Squarespace website. Next up is number eight, choose your typography. Just like with your brand message and your brand colors, your brand fonts are going to reflect your brand personality and voice. So you'll want to pick fonts that align well with your brand and don't clash with it. How do you do that? Especially if you're not an expert in typography. Okay, some people can just do it by feel. They see a font and can sense that it feels right with the brand. This is what happens unconsciously with your ideal client. It's not as if they see your brand and fonts and think, wow, yes, those fonts are exactly right for that brand. It's just a feeling. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't put a little work into picking your fonts. I'm sure you already know the basic differences between serif fonts and sans serif fonts. Serif fonts have the little extra bit at the end of the letters. Sans serif fonts don't. Serif fonts were originally used in printing. They're considered highly legible. They're also considered traditional, classic, and even trustworthy. Sans serif fonts are modern, minimalistic, and clean. They're very popular online. They're also considered legible, but there's lots of debate about serif versus sans serif as they're used on screens. I think it comes down to the individual font. Okay, you also know about script fonts. These are elegant, sometimes formal, and can be unique. There are three other categories you should know about. Slab serif fonts, handwritten fonts, and decorative fonts. Slab serif fonts are serif fonts that are wider and sort of rugged. They're bold and confident. Handwritten fonts are casual and artsy. Decorative fonts are highly stylized and totally unique to the brand. Think IBM and Disney. So how do you pick your fonts? Start by comparing your brand personality to these font category personalities. If your brand is trustworthy, supportive, and honest, you'll go with the serif font. If your brand is imaginative, communicative, and quirky, you'll go with handwritten or maybe decorative. Next, you'll look at fonts within the category that best fits your brand personality. You'll find free fonts at Font Squirrel and Google Fonts, even Google free fonts to find more sources. If you're an Adobe subscriber, you get tons of free fonts there. That's what I use. So scroll through whatever source you're looking at. Type in your brand name so you can see exactly what it would look like in the fonts. Save your favorites, then go narrow them down. When you've got three to five favorites, look at them all side by side. You could even take a screenshot of each and paste them into a document or open them in preview to get a better view. When you've picked a couple that you love, look into the licensing terms. Make sure that you can use it on your website, on business cards, and social media, and in advertising. 
you probably won't be selling the image, but if you do plan on selling merchandise with your logo on it, be sure that the licensing agreement allows that. So now pick your main font. <laughs> At this point, you'll need a secondary font. You can choose mixed fonts or fonts from the same category. That is, your fonts can both be serif or sans serif. Now, you shouldn't have both fonts be slab, serif, script, handwritten, or decorative. Those are just for logos and headers, though decorative fonts are best for logos only. Next up, nine, design your logo. You are finally ready to design your logo. There are seven types of logos, word marks, letter marks, pictorial marks, abstract marks, mascots, combination marks, and emblems. Word marks are simply the brand name written in a distinctive font, possibly with color. Instagram, Google, and Facebook are examples of word marks. Letter marks or monogram logos are like word marks, but just use initials instead of full words. HBO and IBM are examples of letter marks. A pictorial mark is a simple image that represents the brand. Apple and Twitter use pictorial marks. An abstract mark is a symbol that is used to represent the brand. Pepsi and Nike use abstract marks. A mascot is a cartoony character that represents the brand. Think Wendy's and KFC. A combination mark is a mixture of a word mark or a letter mark and a pictorial mark, abstract mark, or a mascot. Lacoste uses a combination mark with their alligator and the name Lacoste. Finally, an emblem is a font inside a symbol. It's like a college crest or the presidential seal. Starbucks uses an emblem. I'll leave it to you to figure out which logo type is best for your brand. I do suggest working with a designer. So the next step, number 10, design other visual elements. After you have your logo, you'll need to design other visual elements. These include a website, business cards, social media cover images, social media profile images, social media posts, and your website photos, including headshots uh, and social media photos. Depending on your skills, you may be able to do some or all of this on your own. For some of these, it's best to hire a professional. Finally, <laughs> number 11, create a brand style guide. You've got your brand identity, so now you're going to pull all of this together into a brand style guide. You've already done all the work. Now you just need to put it together into one cohesive document that you can refer to regularly to keep your brand consistent. A brand style guide is your brand Bible. It stores everything you just did in one place. You don't have to go searching for your mission or your brand personality. You'll know exactly where your fonts and color hex codes are. You'll also write down the rules for your brand in the style guide, such as, can you ever use a different color for your logo? Can your logo be used on a black background? What about a green one? If your brand name is written horizontally, can it ever be stacked? Writing all of this into your brand style guide will ensure consistency. This is important for maintaining the integrity of your brand. Okay, that's it. I know that this is a lot of work, but it's really essential work. 
too many people come up with a brand name, randomly pick colors they like, go with whatever font comes with their website host provider, and have a logo made with no thought about brand personality or brand voice, much less values, vision, or mission. You now understand how all of these pieces come together to make a really coherent, powerful brand that is unique, that you can easily articulate, that can become memorable, and that can help you achieve your brand goals. I'd love to read your thoughts on this episode. You can leave comments on this episode's post on my website, link in the show notes. I'll be back next week with more branding, design, and business tips 